Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. And welcome back to the show. I'm excited to be joined by Ryan Reiser today. Ryan is a sales director at Connect and Sell. He's a software as a service startup junkie, a cold calling enthusiast, and a serial failure on a mission to help up-level the perception and the profession of sales. Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you doing, man? Uh, Sam, that was a lot of energy to start the morning for me, so I'm fired up. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. Yeah, man. I know it's early morning there, so thanks very much for, for the early start <laughs> and uh, for joining us to, to meet our UK time zone. Much appreciated, sir. So there's loads we want to cover with you, Ryan. We want to keep it as impactful and as to the point as we possibly can, but we'd love to learn your top business growth strategies. We'd love to learn some of your top digital marketing tips and secrets. Before we get to that juicy info, um, we'd love to know some of your story, really, Ryan. So it'd be great to know where you're from, some of the key businesses you've worked at up to now until um, you became sales director at Connect and Sell, and some of the lessons that you've learned along the way. If you could share those with us, man. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, getting back to where I am or where I came from and who I am. Uh, so I grew up in uh, the northwest of uh, the United States in a small town of Washington State called uh, Spokane. And within okay. Spokane, uh, there's, a, there's an area that is actually uh, one of the poorest zip codes in the entire state of Washington. And that's where, that's where my humble beginning uh, started. Uh, my, uh, my, parents are, my parents are both janitors. My brother and sister are multiple time felons. And uh, most of my friends uh, and, and or family are you know, either in drug or in prison these days. That's where I come from. Uh, I somehow got out of that, right? From a very young age, I, uh, I actually was involved in absolutely everything I could be involved in, whether it was sports, okay. uh, music, uh, leadership at school. Uh, I also got in a lot of trouble as well, right? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, as I got into high school, uh, my goal was actually, it was in the JRRTC, the Junior Reserved Officers Training Corps for the Air Force. And I was planning on oh, going into the military. Okay. Right. And um, uh, that was going to be my route. But somehow, uh, you know, my coaches and uh, family friends uh, that were a part of my life uh, directed me to go to school. So I ended up going to college. Uh, to become, at the time, um, I wanted to become a coach and a teacher. Uh, so I studied math. I got an engineering okay. uh, minor. I was on a scholarship there, uh, math. And uh, there was a program where they wanted to bring real-world applications back to inner-city schools um, yep. to try to help uh, in, in influence STEM and things like that. Um, and so I went and I uh, completed that program. When I graduated, it was in the middle of the best economic time we've ever seen, except for maybe now, <laughs> which is 2008, right in the heart of the, uh, the, the recession that we were facing in the U.S. And uh, at that time, when I went back to do my student teaching over that summer, I was hanging out with my friends and family, and uh, it wasn't going to be a good place. Uh, <laughs> after being away in La La Land, a university, you realize uh, there's this other world that, uh, that I was a part of, and I just wanted to get away from it. That's what I did my whole life. And so I... Uh, I ended up going down to San Francisco once one weekend uh, in the summer because I had some friends in college that had internships. 
and my life was just completely changed, right? Middle of the recession, world's burning, and there was the first Ferrari I've ever seen parked on the side of the road, like parked on the <laughs> side right. of the road. Not, you know, and I saw, I saw, you know, Porsches driving like they were the Honda Accord of Spokane, right? I was like, I don't care what I'm doing or where I'm going to go. I could always become a teacher at some point in the future. This is probably where I should be right now, right? So I went back home, packed up everything I could own in my car and drove down uh, to San Francisco and uh, started looking for work. And at that time, so I stumbled across, you know, Craigslist back then. Uh, everyone seemed to be hiring in sales. And, uh, you know, I did some telemarketing in high school along with a bunch of other random jobs. Uh, and so I thought I could be good at it. And I uh, ended up uh, applying to a bunch of jobs, eventually finding my first sales role. And uh, the rest is kind of history. That's how I, that's how I started my career. And uh, I haven't looked back, um, you know, from the time I, I landed that first job in the middle of the recession and started to find success. I just fell in love with uh, what sales can do to an individual to completely change their life, right? It doesn't really matter your background. Doesn't really, you can't really get a degree in sales, although there's universities offering this now. Uh, it's all about a growth mindset, how you can help others. And the more you kind of snowball on that, the more success you'll find. And, and uh, you know, uh, along the way, I, I've worked for a lot of ad tech, martech companies by way of luck. And so that's kind of where that digital marketing uh, component comes into play here uh, on the sales side. Okay. So originally, so you, you had a, a bit of a mixed path in terms of your careers and what you wanted to do. So you really originally wanted to go into the Air Force and then you kind of studied to be a teacher. Um, and then you, you saw, saw a different way of life, it sounds like, and kind of got into the sales route. Was that, was that right? Yeah. I mean, you, you never really know. Who knows what they really want to do in high school? So true. <laughs> but, so true. Uh, and even in college, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's one of those things where uh, you know, back then, especially, I don't know if it's as important now, but, uh, you know, just getting a degree was such a, ma a monumental, uh, shift in, in the opportunities that would, uh, you know, come of themselves. And so, um, you know, I was influenced by my teachers and coaches and some personal family friends that just, uh, let me know that that was going to make a difference. And if I still wanted to go the other route, I sure, certainly could, um, but yeah. to get that degree, it was awesome. be important. Awesome, man. So it'd be great to learn some of the businesses that you've worked at up to now and perhaps some of the lessons that you could share with us, be it in sales, be it in marketing, or be it just general business tips that could be valuable for anyone that's tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the first uh, company I worked for uh, was, again, right in the middle of the uh, recession. And so I finally found that job. Uh, the company was a, a $50 million back startup and it was, uh, um, it was everything you would think of with a hyper growth company. Uh, you know, loud sales floor, everyone was making good money, at least from the interview process. But uh, cool. this company was actually backed by AIG and okay. uh, they were selling, they were selling a, uh, a home, uh, an innovative home finance product. There's actually a bunch of versions of this now on the market again, but back then, uh, it was a way to tap into your equity and uh, in exchange for the future change in value of your home. So at that time, uh, you could pretty much get in front of anyone who still had equity, and, and it was a it was a good it was a good option for them. Um, and uh, but it was backed by AIG. So uh, like about six weeks into my job, the government had pulled the funding from AIG. All of their companies um, uh, were in a bad position. Our our team was 100% laid off. So I went from 
Oh man. Uh, really excited. And I was just getting up to speed ramping, seeing some success too. Now I was, my whole team was laid off. What am I going to do? So that first lesson that I learned was, uh, well, if you have, uh, if you have a basic understanding of the sales process, if you have a basic understanding of, of, of things like Salesforce, uh, and you have, uh, you have already a track record of success, although it's only six weeks, uh, you're almost always employable, right? Middle of the recession, we just got laid off. What am I going to do? Uh, where, where it took me about three months to get that first job. My second job, I, I had three offers in a week in the middle of the recession. Right? That's amazing. And so, okay. Uh, and that's when I stumbled into ad tech. Uh, so my second job, my second job was a company called eSearch Vision. And again, I, I lucked into this one. I, I wasn't a, uh, a big Google AdWords guy. I thought it was spam, right? I wasn't even a big internet guy, to be honest. I grew up in a place where we didn't have uh, internet at home. I, I Believe it or not, you know, when I was going through high school, internet wasn't in everyone's home or in your pocket. You know, I, I, I used it at the library. And then in college, I, I finally had it in my dorm room. But I still wasn't a big internet guy, right? I, it's the same I for me, man. I can library. remember having dial-up at home like back in the day and waiting for that to connect and remember not being able to use the telephone at the same time as the internet. So yeah, same, that, same for me, man. That, the that's, good old days. <laughs> that's, that's what I grew up in. It's kind of weird to think about these days when I got my kids streaming while I'm doing you know, videos. It's yeah, just a it. total different world. And, um, and so I wasn't, I wasn't like really on to this idea of pay-per-click advertising. I thought it was spam. Uh, and, uh, but I was convinced that, uh, these guys were going to really change the world. And, um, and I was really interested on the math of the math side of, of advertising, right? Like this whole concept of ROI. And, uh, and so I took the job. Eastreach vision was a pay-per-click advertising platform that integrated, uh, search programs across Google, Yahoo, Back then it was uh, Microsoft, but then it turned into Yahoo and Bing. And then there was a whole slew sure. of other smaller, smaller search engines. Um, there was like 27 uh, search engines that were aggregated or something like that in the original product. And, uh, you know, I was just convinced that, you know, it's kind of a numbers game. And these advertisers are all about trying to get as much, you know, eyeballs uh, for the lowest cost. And so I was excited. I was just coming out of my math degree and, and it was fascinating that stuff. And so um, uh, eSearch Vision was a French startup, uh, not funded, bootstrapped, and we're competing against what now, if you look back on this company, some of them are public. Many of them were really well funded. Some of them have been acquired by the giants um, in the form of Marin Software, Kenshu, uh, DoubleClick, acquired by Google, uh, Omniture, a lot of Adobe uh, swooped up a lot of these tools. And I, uh, you know, I was really, really uh, successful in that role. I worked my way up from being a lead generation specialist, which is now, you know, an SDR, basically, uh, all the way up Got to it. leading that, sale, that sales team. Uh, awesome. So how were you guys able to compete against these, let's say, big boys in the industry? Because um, you, you guys were bootstrapped and you're going against some massive competitors. And also, how were you able to work your way up the company so, so fast, Ryan? Yeah, and that's a, that's a big lesson there at Esearch Vision. It was it was just the fundamentals, right? So our our leader, uh, Mark Wendling, uh, who now leads corporate sales at Snowflake, which is one of the most uh, valued private companies. I think their most recent round is like twelve billion dollars or something like that uh, valuation. Uh, Mark Wendling's an old school guy back then. He's just like, look, build a list, pick up the phone, talk to people, you know. And and again, this was two thousand eight, so you couldn't do a lot of this research stuff that people tell you need to do, uh, you know, you could be pretty targeted. There was some reports you could find on, 
on companies that looked like they were spending on search, but it was really just pick up the phone, have conversations and follow up. It was that simple. And that's what I did, right? I just created a list, I called the hell out of it. I had conversations, I gathered information and I continued to follow up. And over time, that repeating, re consistent commitment to the process, the follow up, getting to uh, know millions of times it felt like, uh, <laughs> to eventually find a yes when that timing was right, um, made the huge difference. And that actually is one of the only companies that I was at for more than a few years um, at where you know, in your two, two and a half, you start to get the dividends around uh, the work you did two years ago. You know, your Got pipeline, okay. your pipeline today from a conversation that you had, it could turn into a deal two and a half years from now. And you don't know anything about that unless you continue to follow up. Um, a lot of times you may even forgot about it and they'll follow up. And so there's a, there's a big lesson there around just sticking to the fundamentals and ensuring that you commit to the sales process, right? Map your total addressable market, have conversations with them <laughs> and, and follow up. It's that simple. Uh, and that lesson has, has stuck with me uh, as I've continued to progress in my career. It sounds so simple when you put it like that, Ryan. In terms of um, following up, have you got any strategies that you could share with us perhaps on effective ways to be able to follow up with prospects that you're talking to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, nowadays, there's a lot of technology you can leverage, which, which allows you to, um, you know, do this in a more automated fashion. But I mean, it, it really is as simple as when you have a conversation, whether it's, uh, you know, we're just looking for four outcomes, right? Yes, let's go now, right? No, not, that's, you know, not interested, whatever. Uh, not me. Now we're going to ask for that referral or not now, right? So not now is that simple follow-up that most people know. And they're like, okay, great, win. Uh, but these other, these other ones also require follow-up. Right. The the not now uh, the, the not me for referral. And even if it's not me and no referral, you got to make sure that you're not giving up on those leads and, and finding ways to get in there and find the new person, follow up and use that conversation. Right. You can use that conversation. Even if they said not me, you can still say, hey, I spoke with Sam recently. He wasn't the right person, but I was wondering if you might be. That's a like you're still using a name. It's still a strong referral. If you're using someone's name. I just spoke with your colleague. They weren't the right person. I didn't say he said to call you. I didn't say any of those things. I'm just telling you what I learned. Are you the right person? If you're, if you're still in that the conversation uh, or gathering information stage. Um, obviously the no's, this is a huge one that most reps will not follow up on. Oh, they said they, said they were not interested, right? They may have said something worse, right? F off, don't call me ever again. They don't, they don't follow up on those. And they uh, uh, make an even bigger mistake when they think that somebody as a contact with an organization dictates the organization's interest or um, ability to work with you at some point. And so um, simple tactics there are just ensuring that you're tasking yourself to follow up with these leads and organizations, finding new leads within those organizations' contacts um, on a consistent basis. You should be talking to everyone in your uh, organize in your target list, right? Your total addressable market. If you're a rep on it every quarter, right? Every quarter, you should try to talk to these folks in some way, shape or form. Awesome. So that that's not technology, but then you can also use technology to automate some of those tasks and, and follow-ups. Makes sense. Okay, Ryan, that was a great, great bit, um, bit of insight there. I love that. So moving on, what was, what was the next step? You stayed at this technology company kind of working with paid ads, pay-per-click based marketing. What was yeah. the next step for yourself? 
Yeah. That, then I moved into my first stint of entrepreneurship. So okay. I, uh, I uh, started a company in San Francisco, co-founded a sales recruiting firm with uh, actually my very first sales manager from Rex and Co called the Lions. And the idea there, uh, Matt McGraw's that uh, was my sales leader at Rex. And we've been friends. We've been playing poker for a few years in the city. And as money was starting to pour back into uh, Silicon Valley, uh, VCs were starting to invest in tech companies. Uh, he had an idea that you could, you could really, same principles, right? Map the entire ecosystem of sellers, track their careers and stack rank them on who the best, the best are, so the alliance, and then have a service offering to be able to provide um, those, uh, those reps to the best companies and vice versa. So creating a marketplace of, of the top 25% highest growing companies and uh, the best sales reps. And uh, you know, I fell in love with that idea of becoming the, you know, Scott Boris of sales talent, um, you know, and his idea was, let's go find more of you, Ryan. So like you came from a city outside of uh, San Francisco. So we're not looking for the Cal and Stanford grads. We're looking for the folks that are from, you know, he used to call them like farm towns there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's go get more, more guys like you, you know, smart, uh, driven, and bring them into uh, these, these hyper-growth companies. And if we can get them their first jobs, uh, entry-level sales jobs as AEs, or now, you know, now there's this explosion of SDRs as well, but, and then track them through their career, we could really um, create something of value. And so that was a really fun, um, you know, first stint at entrepreneurship. Um, we, uh, we ended up being able to partner with some of the you know, biggest names now in tech and help a lot of folks that are now in sales leadership, you know, get their first sales jobs. And so that was a, just another stumble into luck in my career that has allowed me to, uh, you know, kind of help start to build my brand from an early, early, yeah, early makes age, sense. even with, even without knowing that's what I was doing, right? I Helping that. people early in their career without any more than just, let's get you some jobs. Cool. And that was your first step in terms of owning your, your own business, it sounds like. Were there any particular strategies that you and your partner used to grow the business? Was it all cold outreach? Was there any unusual outbound or inbound digital marketing strategies that you guys used to be able to scale it and get these partners on board, as you mentioned? Yeah, so that was my responsibility. I was the head of sales, business development, whatever you call it, at, uh, at the Lions. And uh, the, uh, the thing there was we started to see the, the rise of some of the newer age uh, sales automation uh, systems. And one, one particular was, uh, it was a tool called Yesware. So if you actually look up Yesware, which is bigger now, they've kind of fizzled out with the rise of uh, outreach and, and sales loft. But uh, Yesware was one of the first tools that allowed you to uh, easily track when someone engaged with your emails and then also to, you know, create templates and do mail merges and things like that. And so oh, that's when, that's when you really started to move away from just, I started to move away from just picking up the phone and calling, which is, you know, we annoyed every single big, tech company in the world by calling every single salesperson <laughs> and we just we did that right the blitzkrieg market domination map your tam we want all these sellers go um but in addition to that opened up email as a channel for the first time again this was 2010 email was not as prevalent you saw the rise of predictable revenue at this time and uh now you've got some technology that gives you insights into what's happening and you could actually semi-personalize your message. And most people didn't understand that's what you're doing. And it was really, really effective, right? You've got that one-two combo on phone, email, 
it's going out and then you can track when they're opening and call them back uh you know and, and with those triggers on engagement and at that time it was it was it was really really effective um to help us get into market quickly um build brand awareness within a very small niche right we also stayed really small we were just okay. in san francisco yep. and uh and and all those things led to um pretty rapid growth uh, for the brand and Lions, which is still around as one of the top, you know, sales recruiting firms in the city. Fantastic. Okay, awesome. And were there many other places um, or places that you've worked at, Ryan, until you got to, to where you are now in terms of being the director at Connect and Sell? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had a couple stints uh, as the sales leader. So after I left the Lions, I did end up going, I was recruited back to Research Vision for a while. Um, I was then the U.S. Managing Director. Um, after oh, nice. that, after that, I, I had a few stints as the head of sales for venture-backed companies. Um, all of those have actually been acquired uh, at some point, um, and or uh, uh, actually all of them now have been acquired. One was Inc. 5000, and uh, you know the most recent company before Connect and Sell, where I was not an entrepreneur. Um, was a uh, another ad tech company that was acquired by Sprinkler. Okay. And that's where you get into more of these more modern digital marketing best practices. And you see this merging of, um, you know, marketing and sales and data. And how do you actually really start to think about one-to-one -one personalization at scale, right? So, um, Bushaka was the name of that last company acquired by Sprinkler. It was rebranded in the Sprinkler audience. Um, if you don't know who Sprinkler is, they're a, a unicorn in the, you know, uh, marketing uh, ad tech space now um, and work with some of the largest brands in the world. And I, I uh, had a pretty fun job there to be the subject matter experts around audience. And so what that was, is really taking all of my experience uh, from selling pay-per-click um, you know, running sales at organizations and ultimately um, my background at sell points was prior to uh, Bushaka um, working with a lot of large retailers and brands to talk about how do you solve that simple advertising equation, target message channel timing, right? And uh, that's the same equation with sales, right? Map your audience. It's really that simple, right? Map your audience. <laughs> Could create a compelling message, message or offer based on where they're at in the funnel. Uh, get it in front of them is wherever you can, wherever they're, wherever they're spending their time to get eyeballs on your, you know, message, uh, track that and then follow up timing. And, uh, you know, the audience product, which now is, I think more and more people are realizing this exists, but they still don't really, because you're seeing the rise of ABM, uh, or account-based sales and account-based mar marketing, really that um, that's all on the back end of this idea of, of audience, uh, which is just the age-old advertising. But if I have information on you as a buyer or an individual, I can take that, build audiences into Google, into Facebook, into Twitter, into LinkedIn, right? And in addition to making calls and sending emails, I can send ads that map to that same message. And if Got you it. do it okay. the right way, you can track them all through the funnel, um, and, uh, you know, deliver the right message at the right time to the right audience to maximize the effectiveness of not only the digital reach, but also um, where you're spending your time, right? So taking that yesware example of, oh, this person email, you know, open an email. Now you can say, holy crap, this person's, you know, now on my website and downloading content. And I've been calling them over here thinking they don't know anything about me. But the reality is 
they're ready to make a purchase decision. So I've got to be able to start to use that information to um, understand the entire digital buying journey. And um, that's still at its infancy, right? There's a lot of technologies, but they're not really talking together. Um, and sure. that's the exciting part, brings us up to date on uh, you know, tactics and tools on what you can be doing today as a modern sales Awesome. So it sounds like you've had great experience, Ryan, in terms of both digital um, side of things, in terms of marketing, in terms of prospecting, as well as outbound. So as well as cold outreach via calling, via email, it sounds like you've had a really good blend. Would you say that there's one particular way of generating new business, which is your preferred option, which is your go-to? My, my preferred is picking up the phone, right? And that, you know, I, I think that to this day in a B2B context, especially, but even in some B2C products or services that have a high value, right? Uh, whether that's immediate or long-term, you know, based on uh, engagement with the customer, there's nothing more powerful than a conversation. There's just nothing more powerful than a conversation. You're building trust quickly. You're gathering information in a way you can't otherwise. And, um, and, and nothing can take away from that, that human interaction. Uh, and so I've always preferred the phone. It may also just be that that's where I started. And so I felt comfortable with it. Sure. But I also, I also know that the data shows that while it can be challenging um, in terms of effort to get a conversation, if you're not using something like Connect and so, uh, it can be challenging to uh, earn earn that conversation in terms of effort. The results, the the conversion ratio on, you know, when a conversation is where you start a relationship, are always much more. Um, uh, it, it's always better, right? You're going to have a higher success rate, conversion rate uh, to a next phase or a future next phase if you can start with a conversation. The other things are always helpful and they supplement, but they. Um, uh, they can't replace that human one-to-one interaction. Got it. That makes sense, man. So, and I love that phrase you just brought up, nothing's more powerful than a conversation. And personally, I couldn't agree more. So in all the, all the marketing outreach that I do, whether it's an inbound inquiry that perhaps comes through our WebChoice website, whether it's something that comes through LinkedIn, whatever channel it is, I'll always go for the phone call. And so try and book a time, like you say, to, to have an initial call, have a discovery call, see if a something makes sense in terms of the solutions that we offer and the problems the prospect has. I'm curious. So, to, so are you adding a phone as a, as a uh, mandated field then when you're capturing leads? Good point. It's not on our, on our um, inquiry forms. It's not a required field. No. Why not? Most, most prospects would leave it though. Would leave the phone number. Yeah. Why, why not require it? I, I'm always, I'm, I, maybe I'm just point. flipping the it's script really here, but point. I think it's a good, a good, good question. I hear a lot of folks say, well, then we're going to lose out on, you know, leads. And it's like, well, if you, if you prefer the phone and it's a part of your outreach to get them started, it's why not re- recommend it? Like if they don't want to do business with you, they're not going to leave the phone. Then, then is it really even worth you getting a phone and annoying them? If they don't want the phone, then, then use the other channel. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great question. I mean, I, it certainly makes sense for you guys because everything you do at Connect and Sell revolves around the phone. I'm guessing you have it as a mantra to Tory Field. We do, uh, yeah. of course, but I, I, uh, <laughs> On- it's not so. It's not so much about Connect and Sell. It's, it's, I talk to a lot of folks. I mean, they have, they're building databases. They want their reps to be making phone calls, but they're not requiring phone as a field. Why not? Interesting. Very, very interesting. I mean, I've got just like you said, then Ryan. I've kind of got that. 
that in the back of my mind that if we're putting out on all our lead capture forms or all our inquiry forms that you have to put in your phone number. So for example, I put in my name, put in my email, put in my requirement and then hit submit and it says you can only proceed if you put in your phone. I just feel like it's going to stop some conversions because I have had some deals that I've closed of a reasonable size only via email. Um, so that's the only little bit that would scare me. But I do see your point because I, I even said it myself. So I've been a hypocrite of myself saying I do want to call new leads. <laughs> Yeah, I just I, I'm just always curious about that conversation. You know, it's definitely somebody, an interesting one. Do Do you think that if that person that wanted to do business with you saw I want my phone number, they wouldn't do business with you? Like, have you ever been able to get them on the phone? They just wanted to do all email in, in general, or do you have, have meaningful conversations now? Do they get to a call at some point? It's with us. It's with or with myself rather. It's often a blend. So it's often a blend. So quite a lot of the time deals that we'll do especially recently will be a blend of chatting to them via LinkedIn, chatting to them over the phone, a little bit yeah. of email, quite a mixture. Um, oh, more yeah. so now than ever. Whereas yeah. before I've had stuff that was nearly all phone or nearly all email. I don't know if you're finding the same, right? No, I always, always a blended approach. Uh, but I, yeah. again, I always try, always try to try to get the phone first, always to phone first. Uh, and um, I find again, personally, cause you asked the question, Anytime I get to email and people want to exchange over email, I just, uh, I'll use video. I'll use video okay. in those uh, quite a bit, right? So video nice. in the email to try to explain things. But um, my own personal approach is I can gather so much more information. I can better understand the context of questions. So I'm not making assumptions and it's just more efficient, um, at least in the way I think. But I am learning, uh, and I'm actually reading more and more about this too, that a lot of a lot of folks find that to be quite distracting and they'd prefer even if there is a asynchronous communication that takes some time um, to get things done over email as well. And um, starting, to, starting to understand that, but, uh, but at the same time, if I can speak with people who have the same mindset and there's enough of those, I'm gonna prefer to just focus on those, those folks yeah. first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, that makes sense. I think everyone's got their preferred channel as well. So I, I know some people, for example, Ryan, that hate speaking on the phone. So they, they probably wouldn't even do business with myself or anyone if they forced the call. So it's, it's a tricky line. And like you say, some people like to chat only LinkedIn and some, some are happy to have a call. One thing going back to the call that I do like, and I'm sure you found the same as you're a seasoned pro, um, is that when you're talking to someone on the phone, you can quite often tell from the tone of their voice on how a conversation is going. Yep. So it's, it's just something that I find so important. So you can immediately understand from the tone of their voice the way they're speaking if the conversation's going well or if they're switching off if they're no longer interested so i'm, I'm sure you well tonality and delivery uh how you can make a point with the, the spoken word i mean there's nothing more powerful than than words when it comes to uh uh it, it, even within conversation but you know it's it's hard to be that skilled at writing uh, to effectively communicate the same message uh, in a way that is going to resonate with the audience the way it needs to. And, and there's so many different personalities, right? You can boil them down to about four, but you've got, you've got a way to um, actually quickly identify who you're dealing with. Is this more of a, you know, direct heavy hitter, you know, is this more of an analytical person? Is this more of a entertaining type of person? Or is this more of a, you know, kind of a gotta, you know, st stay back and counsel and, and um, gather information, right? And so 
understanding those different personalities, the questions they're asking, how they're asking them, those are all things that are gonna help you quickly navigate the conversation. And there's a great book on this called Navigate, actually, that talks about nice. these personalities and how to, how to um, think quickly about who you're dealing with and then how to switch up your approach based on, on, based on that personality. Love that. Love that. Awesome, man. Um, so that's, that's some good points in terms of tone. Just before we, I don't want to go too deep down that rabbit hole, but just before we move on, um, on the sense of tone and mirroring when um, listening to people on the phone, do you think mirroring is something that we should be doing? For example, if you're speaking to someone on a, a sales call or a, a, perhaps it's a new prospect or a new lead and they're speaking in kind of a really fast, excited tone and voice, do you think we should mirror that and act the same to... To, to build confidence in them perhaps that we're, we're on the same side as them or if someone's speaking really slowly and with big meaning like hi Ryan I'd like to discuss this should we speak, be speaking um, in the same same format as them does that help us uh, yeah absolutely so the uh, the idea there is you don't need to like mirror them in such a way that almost feels mocking but you should sure. be you know you know taking those cues and making some adjustments right if you're talking to someone that's a little bit slower speaking, they may be a little bit slower to pick up on what you're saying. And so you may want to slow down your, your, your pace. Uh, and then similarly, if, if you're, if you're trying to make this long analytical uh, <laughs> justification and you're talking to someone that's like, what's the point, right? You want to be able to make those adjustments without, uh, without frustrating them. Right. I mean, in the, especially in the early stages of a conversation, you only have a few, you only have a few opportunities to try to get to that next phase. And um, throughout the process, if you're not, if you're not selling the way your buyers want to, you know, engage, uh, you lose out on opportunities. And so that's a, that's a really good uh, tip. Love it. Excellent, man. Just before we move things on, are there any other channels, be it digital be outbound that we've not yet covered that you found effective in your career so far to help business growth, help generate new sales opportunities. Yeah. On the B2B landscape, you've got phone, you've got email, LinkedIn, right? We talked about that briefly. Uh, now it's a rising channel and if you're not using it, you're, you're, in, you're not in, in, in a good spot. Yeah, um, and then, and then the, the other medium, which isn't really a channel yet, it's, it's more of a amplification of, of those channels is video. And okay. so, um, you know, for, for me, I'm trying to use all of those mediums in those channels in the B2B ten, uh, context as much as, as possible. When I was running my last company, you know, I started to build a bit of an audience on Twitter, uh, even, you know, tapped into Instagram for a second because people were saying, uh, it just becomes a lot uh, to manage the other social channels. But if your audience is there, you should be there, right? If your audience is engaging, you should try to be there. And so there's other really exciting forums uh, that are, are formats or forums or, or mediums that are popping up slack you know there's there's um, slacks become its own kind of social community uh, in, in areas like they have these private okay. slack, slack groups that pop up and you can find them where it's like say you're selling to marketing leaders Sam there's like a marketing guru slack channel somewhere right with thousands of people talking about marketing problems all day long and it's not that and actually it's they're they're all over the place right you can find them and um companies build them to build their audiences individuals build them to build community and um that's a really interesting 
channel if you have the time to and you have the audience that's communicating there because they're going to go they're going to ask a lot of questions and it's not it's not to go there and try to sell to them directly it's more to go there and show that you are uh, potentially a leader or learn and um and obviously once you see someone who really has that problem you can then take it offline and, and use it tact tactfully to to reach out but slack's a really interesting one and I, i'm guessing there's more like that that's just one that's popped up over the last couple of years where that, yeah that's, you get a that's lot of value out of it yeah i've not i've not heard that before so i'm definitely keen to in, investigate that and i'm sure some some of the viewers or listeners tuning in will be keen to give that a little trial um you raised a good point as well about not having time to invest in all the channels. So I love digital, of course, being, being from web choice, being from digital marketing background and LinkedIn's one after our SEO, some of our paid ad work and things like that that generate inbound opportunities and leads for us. LinkedIn's a big hitter. So it's probably the second or third best for inbound opportunities from the content that we put out. But you mentioned Twitter. It's never really something I've investigated too much, Ryan. Um, because I've, I found I've just lacked the time to, to invest in the channel, even though I know a lot of our ideal customers would be on there. And I'm sure a lot, a lot of people tuning in are thinking there's perhaps this channel, but do I investigate in it? Do I spend time working on it? And it's, I guess it's just weighing up what, what are the big hitters, as in what's going to give you the best bang for your buck for the time that you spend. Absolutely. I mean, I think the, the big thing there is uh, Twitter, Twitter, becomes a channel that allows you if if you if the person that you're targeting is is a heavy twitter user it gives you an opportunity to gather a ton of information on them because they're tweeting about stuff right so you can use that in your outreach but twitter has a dm functionality or you know the ability to to dm just like you would in linkedin and so if you can get there um, depending on how their settings are um, that channel is not uh, flooded like a lot of others i mean i get a lot of i get i still get a lot of people that reach out to me on twitter from time to time. And they're usually pretty on point uh, specific. And it's as if I'm like SMSing, right? So, and that's what I was starting to see with Instagram as well. Um, I just didn't have a lot of time to manage it. And, uh, and, and, you know, for my last company, I was working with a lot of, uh, well, my last two companies, I was working with SDRs. And so they're, they're younger generation and uh, it wasn't really getting to the buyers. It was more so uh, the sales development reps who, who are benefiting from some of the things that we're doing in um, some of the products we're releasing. So, um, but again, similarly, it's just getting to that channel, starting the conversation and finding where they are and, um, and getting back to your point around, um, digital, right. Outbound today, I call it, I talk, call it modern outbound 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 today is not going to be very effective. If you don't have a strong digital footprint, if you don't have assets, if you don't have a presence, if you don't have, uh, customer stories and things like that, it's way more difficult than if you do. It's not to say it won't work. You can certainly call, cold call people and get people interested. A lot of those folks are going to take that call, then go to your website, take that call and look you up. And if you don't have a presence or worse, you have a bad presence, you know, you're, you're going to lose out on a ton, ton of business. And so um, it's important that you're, you're investing in all these channels. Uh, if you're an early stage startup, like you, you, you can't, you can't uh, sacrifice one for the other. The phone and getting new conversations started is more important than ever, not only to drive business, but to gather the important information, but also to help inform what information you should be creating on the content side. As you get more and more um, advanced or, or you know, as the years go by within your organization and more awareness, you've got to make sure that that content strategy is, is strong and your digital footprint's there. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on a lot of business, uh, a lot of business. 
Love that. So true. And like you say, if you are if you are a startup and you are hammering the phone, you're hammering email, whatever channel you're hammering to generate new prospects, new leads, new customers, you're exactly right saying people are going to check your digital footprints. They're going to be checking you out on LinkedIn. They're going to be checking your website. They're going to be checking any online collateral that's there. And if that doesn't look pro, if that doesn't fill them with confidence in your services, that you can address their problems well, you've not got case studies. It doesn't look professional. It doesn't give them the, the confidence they need to do business with you, then you're screwed really, aren't you? It's, it's just going to be on the back foot. You're, you're going to put yourself in a position to have to, to work harder, right? I mean, cool. that's, that's the reality. Uh, it's not that it won't work. You know, people will buy without that stuff, of course. It's just not as many will <laughs> and not Got as it. fast. That's it. Exactly right. And just before we look to wrap things up, Ryan, you mentioned video earlier and you said you actually quite like doing videos for some of your emails. So video is not something we've talked about a whole great deal on the show. So have you got any, any strategies in video that have worked particularly well for yourself? Yeah, I've been using video for a long time. Uh, uh, early on, I, I used to use a video product. It's called Screencast-O-Matic, and it took forever. Uh, but what I would do is um, when I was selling software, uh, you know, SaaS products, you have a demo you, you touch on some key points, but you're not going to sell them individually. You got to get the next phase. I would go and recreate the areas that were most interesting to my champion, uh, you know, create that video. And in my follow-up, you know, try to keep it really short, three to five minutes max back then. Now it's like one to two minutes, but you're doing a video kind of recap so that th when they go to say, Hey, had this conversation with Ryan. I looked at the product. These are the things that we'd like, I think are interesting to bring you in. It was really helping them sell, but by, uh, you know, cause a lot of times they're not going to be able to effectively communicate the things you had. So that's when I started using video, uh, just to touch, you know, a, a quick demo if they didn't want to get in without seeing it, but also give them a teaser on why they might want to. Um, cool. now there's a bunch, there's a bunch of tools that exist. Um, Vidyard was the first one. They have a free extension that gets, you know, you can upgrade. I, I recently just shifted over to uh, another system called BombBomb. There's many others that allow you to, with, through Chrome, quickly record a video. It could be your screen. It could be your face. It could be your screen and your face. And what that allows you to do is, is humanize your outreach. And so quick tip there is just like phone call, no matter what um, outcome it was, I can go to their LinkedIn profile, record my face to their face, explain why I'm doing it, send a connection request, send an email. It takes me 30 seconds, but it's super personalized and that will help uh, increase your response rates. Love it. Awesome, Ryan. And have you got any daily habits that you follow that have helped you in business or in life to, to be more of a success? Time blocking is huge. Uh, you know, you're always trying to adjust and make differences on those time blocks, but I, I can't tell you uh, enough of the power of zero white space in your calendar. Even if you don't have something scheduled, your time should be scheduled. And even if that scheduled time is your break, so you take your break. And so map your day uh, from whatever and whenever you start to whenever you finish and ensure that there's zero white space. Um, and you can make adjustments along the way, of course, but every day get up, have a planning period, stay out of email first, do your swallow the toad, right? Do the hard stuff first and then make sure there's zero white space and, and you're going to see a, a massive, massive improvement in your productivity and ultimately ensure that you're getting through the most important things uh, on a daily basis. Got it. Awesome, man. And that's something I definitely need to work on. I've got a terrible habit of checking my emails or checking LinkedIn first thing in the morning 
and then like you say it weighs you down because a lot of email is just clutter and um unless there's an inbound lead in there you don't really need to worry it can, it's something you can wait till later cool man so um everyone you've been tuning in to sam's business growth show where we sit down with business leaders experts and entrepreneurs from around the globe we find out their story how digital marketing has helped them along the way and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your business ryan we'd like to ask everyone that comes on if you could thank just one person either dead or alive having a positive influence on yourself and your career who would that be and why yeah, I think the biggest one, I mentioned him earlier today, but, you know, I can keep looking back on, on it. Um, there's actually, there's two guys uh, that I'll, I'll mention, though, because it's, it's both Matt McGraw and, and Mark Wimling, um, who were my first two sales leaders, slash one was my business partner. And, you know, they've, they've always been somewhere in my development and growth. And uh, if they never gave me those shots early on in the middle of the recession to work with them or work for them, uh, you know, I wouldn't be here today. And so those, those two uh, deserve a massive uh, thank you uh, for helping me get to where I am today. Nice, man. And finally, Ryan, tell us a bit more about yourself, the best way people can get in touch with yourself and a bit more about your company. Yeah, so LinkedIn is pretty good for me. Uh, I mentioned I'm on Twitter too, R-Ricer to LinkedIn. Uh, the, uh, it's actually sales development rep uh, is my, my channel uh, or hashtag. Uh, phone, as I mentioned already, is the best channel for me. So it's 415-994-0110. It's also on my LinkedIn profile, but uh, call me anytime. And uh, I'm, I'm, I welcome conversations. Thank you very much, Ryan. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Sam. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales and business growth tips from the experts.